Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me, Chad Warren. How are you, my friend? I am awesome. I love being with you. Oh, my gosh. We are here in Southern California enjoying life, and it's incredible. And I've had the privilege of being with Chad the last couple of days. And like, I was like, man, you've got to come on the podcast. You've got to hear your story. I'm so intrigued by Chad, like incredibly. Like you're a transcendental meditation Teacher, by the time you were like 13 years old, like what I'm gonna save that for you guys because there's so much to his story and we absolutely have to hear it. So, Chad, thank you so much for being here today. Thank Truly, you for having me. It's fun. It's an honor. What? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I'm gonna ask you my first loaded question, which I love tremendously, but it's it's so necessary for the for the journey, I guess, right? Okay. So what inspired you on your journey to where you are today? <laughs> I, I told you it'd be loaded. <laughs> Well, no, it's like, where do you start? How many, how many of those things? Well, first of all, I was born. So that was a good start. And I was born into like a kind of a very metaphysical family. My grandmother, my mother were very spiritual, very steeped in Eastern philosophies and, you know, that type of Vedanta, theosophy and all these spiritual journeys and paths. My grandmother was known for taking, getting a lot of people on a spiritual path. And so I, you know, I was raised in that environment, that and probably reading a lot. Yeah. My mom would take me down to like the ashram in Tecate, Mexico when I was eight or nine years old. And I, you know, studied with uh, Indra Devi, who was, a, who was like one of the most famous people for bringing Hatha yoga to the United States. Oh, wow. Um, and she was a disciple of Sai Baba's. And uh, she was actually, a, uh, interestingly enough, she was a, a Russian countess. Whoa, that, uh, that changed, brought yoga. Yeah, into the... changed her name to Indra Devi, and she had an ashram in Tecate, Mexico, just over the border. Wow. Anyway, so my mom, you know, I would do yoga and do all the, because, you know, you're, when you're 9, 10 years old, you can get into every most complicated position. Yeah. And so they'd have me up on the, t on the front doing all the top, you know, advanced positions because I was so... You know, incredibly, let's just say I was a lot more uh, flexible than I am now. Right. So I can't quite do those anymore. So that's kind of what started. And then my mom took me to Italy one day. She said, you know, you want to come with me? You know, we're, I'm going to go to uh, teach a training course in Mallorca, Spain. I'm going to go to Europe. You want to come with me? And I'm like, sure. Why not? You know, what? You know, why, what, I've got nothing else to do. I'm in eighth grade. <laughs> so. Um, so we did, we went off and it was to a little place called Fuji, uh, Fonte, Italy. It was like 2000 people and in this little town and med meditating 12 hours a day, you know, four months, three and a half, four months. And Marshy was also doing these lectures. They called them a symposium of all the top like experts in every field. Wow. So you had like, you know, top neurophysiologist, you had, you know, a person who just done their, their thesis in on Dante's divine comedy had uh, the head of ACT out of San Francisco who got up and do his soliloquies. And uh, I mean, just wow. all these top, you know, every from every discipline. And I just remember at that time thinking, that's what I want to do. I want it. This is the level of knowledge that I want to be involved with. It's like I was already over 
junior high and high school, I was ready for college. And I wanted to like study every discipline as it relates to consciousness, as to it relates to our own experience. Right. And it was just incredible. So, so after that, I went back and by myself, when I was 14, I flew up to Humboldt and spent a month up there with Marushi and, yeah. and studying. And then I came back and then, you know, all through high school, my mom and I, we taught transcendental meditation all through high school. And we ran the TM Center in San Diego, actually out in La Mesa, wow. East, East San Diego County. We also taught yoga at La Jolla YMCA every week. So, you know, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, the funny thing is I was gone for four months in eighth grade and came back and got straight A's. That's right. crazy. You know, I, I didn't miss a thing. <laughs> you didn't miss a beat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you know, it's like and I was I was all I was all I knew is that in Italy they created Maharishi International University. They started right. this new university. And I just knew that that's where I wanted to go to college. And so my focus was on making that happen all through high school. Which, you know, funnily enough, when I was nineteen, I actually used my college money to go to Europe. I'd do another long-term meditation course with Marshy in, in Switzerland, and which was also an incredibly powerful, expansive experience. You know, had some very powerful experiences with Maharshi and and traveled through Europe and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And came back. I spent my college money, <laughs> but I knew that I was going to go to college the next year. I was going to go there. I didn't know how. I don't know how we're going to pay for it. Funnily enough, my dad walked in one day and he goes, a friend of mine just donated his silver mine to uh, BYU and they accepted it for, for college tuition. Do you think your college would be open to that? And I said, well, let's call them. And they did. What? So that's how I went to college. My dad donated a, a part of his silver mine in Nevada. And, you know, it's like when you're moving towards your goal, you don't think about what is the how. You just know that you're going to accomplish it. It's amazing what shows up to support it in ways that you would never have otherwise expected or even thought of. And that's kind of a theme of my life where I have no idea how I'm going to do something and things show up to support it. The universe conspires for you. It absolutely conspires for me. And my daughter, you know, she used to think that I was, you know, because my life she, she calls it living a synchronistic life. Yes. There's so much synchronicity and so many things that happen out of there that are so disparate and yet come together in a very synchronistic way that she used to think I was lying about all the things that were happening in my life. And it took her many years to finally realize that, no, actually, that's actually who I was and, and what was happening. And she just would shake her head. She goes, well, that's my dad. You know, it's like stuff happens and he gets supported. Miracles come together in ways that you, wow. nobody would ever expect. So that from there, I went I went to college. I went to Marushi International University uh, in Fairfield, Iowa. Now, having grown up in San Diego and Orange County, Iowa was a huge <laughs> adjustment going to the Midwest and doing the mm -hmm. snow and the ice and, you know, wind and all these seasons and, you know, oh my humidity, you know, crazy stuff, right. right? You know, that you shouldn't have to deal with in life. Yes. But most people do. So I did, I did six years there and I, I really had an amazing, you know, I, I also was able to sp go spend time with Buckminster Fuller. If anybody doesn't know who Buckminster Fuller is, I highly recommend that you really uh, check him out. He was one of the greatest minds of the 21st century. He was a total Renaissance man, invented the geodesic dome. He invented the term synergy. And you could read one of his paragraphs like 17 times, and every time you'll get something deeper and different every time you read it. It's like he's, he's so prolific and he's so, so brilliant. And the fact there's a whole business 
uh, program called Money in You that's based on those principles, on his principles. Wow. And there's a business entrepreneur, a business for school for entrepreneurs that's also based on his principles. And um, my partner, Marin, our faculty uh, at, at that business school, it's very cool. But anyways, I digress. I was I started off as a literature major because I've always mm-hmm. had a passion for film and for story. Right. Mm-hmm. I've been a, a voracious reader since I was 12. You know, I've probably read, I've read thousands of books. And, but then halfway through, I mean, uh, partly through, uh, and I loved it. I love literature, but I shifted over. I ended up doing a degree in quantum physics and math with a minor in Sanskrit and the Vedas. So again, science and consciousness, right? And because when you actually describe the unified field as described in quantum physics, the description of the unified field matches exactly the descriptions of consciousness as found in the Vedic literatures and, and many of the great scriptures. You know, there's no accident. I mean, that unified field is consciousness, and that, that's where everything comes out of that. Mm-hmm. It's, it is, you know, we each have within us access to an infinite reservoir, creativity, intelligence, bliss, mm-hmm. you know, love, and we just forget. <laughs> Yes, we do. We humans mess things up all the time. So, you know, enlightenment is just remembering that. Mm. Just remembering that and, and, and having full access to it. So, of course, then, you know, then I got pregnant and had kids and had to go make money. Right. And so I was like really comfortable. I spent all these years really focused on spirituality, on, on consciousness, on the infinite nature of self and the bliss within, right? And that, that's like a core element of, of who I am is I'm anchored in that bliss. You know, the nature of consciousness is concentrated happiness. It's that bliss consciousness. And so that's always that's always there. But it, I, I didn't have, couldn't make a lot of sense out of the relative world. I kind of just assumed <laughs> everybody else thought the way I did and which I was you know soon disabused of that notion <laughs> and so I had to go out and, and learn you know business and struggles and ups and downs and and money and really learn about how we treat money how we approach money how we approach business and each other how we deal with each other how we don't really say what we mean or we feel and there's all these layers and like when I started realizing, oh, crap, people are saying stuff, but they're actually meaning something else. What a concept. Right. And so that's been a lot of my journey was kind of like going through and learning all these elements of dealing with people and money and, and business and and then and eventually coming back around. You know, and I've had success. I've made millions. I've lost millions. Right. You know, I've traveled the world and then I was homeless in my Jaguar. I mean, if I'm going to be homeless, at least it was in, in a, a Jaguar. Comfortable car. Yeah, <laughs> I had to do Jaguar. Oh my god! Yeah, two th- uh, thousand eight, two thousand nine. What 2009. happened there? Real estate. I was mm-hmm. uh, I was a developer. I was developing. You know, I had multiple properties that I owned throughout California, and uh, we were developing a six hundred acre you know project in outside of Birmingham, Alabama, and we we were backed by Regions Bank. We did you know the whole nine yards, and um, you know, my partners. It ran out of money. So I basically ended up funding almost, so I put like all my money into funding this thing. Ooh. And yeah, big mistake. Thinking I had also real other real estate. I, I had bought it with enough discount that I felt was enough to um, get Easy. through any uh, adjustment, Recession. right? Because we're looking at the history of adjustment, nothing had ever gone beyond, you know, 15 or 20%. 
And of course it went down 50. <laughs> so we lost all our properties and Nations Bank all of a sudden pulled all their funding for any development, even the ones, you know, they had commitments to. So we literally lost millions overnight. That's when I learned don't have all your eggs in one basket, right? And so, you know, luckily I had a really nice Vonda Plus Jaguar and I had a my exercise, uh, 24-hour fitness <laughs> paid up for the next three years. So, uh, so I was good. I mean, I was only homeless for a few months, right. you know. But I, I, but thank God I had family and I had relatives and people. Right. And I was able to pull myself back out again. But still, once you've done it, number one, you can do it again. Right. But number two, it also gives you a, a, a compassion for those that, you know, it's like I used to look at people and say, you know, you know, there but the ghost grace of God go I because it's like if if I didn't have the support system that I had right. and the friends and, you know, it's like I could see where, you know, people end up on the streets or in, in you know, crazy situations. Right. Right. And so you, you have a lot of compassion for that. Anyways, from there, I, I rebuilt again and, and I stayed in real estate, commercial real estate, uh, land entitlement work, all that kind of stuff. But then I met my partner, Maria. And Maria and I looked at each other and was like, you know, it's time for us to do our legacy work. Mm. Let's, let's look, you know, what is it that we really want to do? And cause I had, I had also just come out of, uh, I forgot I was ended up in a wheelchair for six months. I had a, it was a five year delayed reaction to an auto accident I had been in Ooh. and I woke up one day and couldn't walk. Right. I found a doctor down in Tijuana, Dr. De La Vega, who had been, who had studied in Japan. And he injected me with uh, embryonic calf cells. So this is before stem cell became a big thing. Back in the 1950s, they would treat people injecting embryonic um, uh, sheep cells. Wow. And he was doing calf cells, which was he felt was much closer to the human physiology. Well, within three months, I was healed, and my back's been fine ever since. Wow. And um, again, so that also led me to reevaluating what am I really doing and I realized that even though I love creating things and I love seeing things built, real estate was not really my passion. And my passion is really raising consciousness and, you know, seeing how we can make a difference. And a big part of that is through, again, back coming back to story and to the impact of story to raise people's awareness and consciousness can be quite profound. And it, it also can be uh, scaled globally a lot quicker than a lot of, you know, most things. Mm -hmm. So that's when we started Zen Moose Capital. And Zen Moose Capital, the whole idea was, you know, raising consciousness through media, media technologies and, and, and that kind of an avenue. And we had a friend of ours, actually, you would have loved her, Susan. <laughs> uh, she's no longer with us anymore. But Susan, oh. uh, she had been the senior VP of finance, no, senior, senior technology vice president of America Express. She was also a Buddhist priest. She had studied with the Dalai Lama. She studied with him for a year in India. Wow. And so she actually called me and said, okay, I got another production company funded a hundred million dollars for their fund. And, you know, I know you have a slate of films because I'd been working on a film. I actually was partners on a film about uh, Robert Johnson, the great bluesman. Mm. And which was all about uh, really transformation and light and dark. And it was actually pretty cool. His grandmother was Robert Johnson's cousin. And do you know who Robert Johnson is? Robert, the blues. The blues, blues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first inductee into the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame, fame. yeah. 
So she said, I know you have a slate of films. And, and so we first got approved for a $200 million line of credit. Wow. And so we were working with the hedge fund. They wanted to do it again because they really liked entertainment. And as we're going through that process, the head of the hedge fund was skiing in Aspen and he fell down, hit his head, and a week later died. And so they came back and they were like, oh, you know, we're still going to do you. And then a month later, it's like, no, we're going to close down the hedge fund. And the next month later, oh, we're going to, I'm going to bring you with me to another hedge fund. Anyways, it all fell apart. Mm. But by that point, we had put together our whole financial model. We'd put together our whole team, our whole portfolio of companies. And we're like, okay, this is what we're here to do. We're here to really make, because in that process, we had created something even greater than what we had originally thought. And we created a whole process to go out there and have a huge social impact using the ventures are just vehicles to make an impact and make a difference. And the team of people we connected to were a lot of like incredibly people, incredibly intelligent and very conscious people who thought they were off. They were all thought that they were out there by themselves, disconnected. Nobody else. There was nobody else to talk to that was, you know, spiritual and, and also in business and successful at the same time. And so they, we started bringing people together in that, in that way. And, they no longer felt alone. They're part of a family. And, you know, that created a whole dynamic, which was really, really exciting. So we started on the search of finding the right financial vehicle to do that because we realized in order to, because we've raised money for other projects and other companies and other things like that. And we, we've seen so many of them, you know, go off track or they don't stay to the business plan or whatever it is. And we realized, in, you know, especially in entertainment media, in order to really have the most impact and, and have profit is what we needed to be the bank. Mm. We wanted to be the bank for transformation. Love that. So that's what we set out to do. So the past five years was that journey. Wow. And we tried multiple different types of structures, we ways of funding it until we finally met these two guys that had developed this methodology the past 20 years that was a real win-win. Let's pay, let's protect the investors, protect their principal, give them upside potential, and also upside participation in different ventures while keeping their principal safe. Right. And so, so next month, we're actually coming out. After four years, we're finally coming out with a billion dollar PPO that That's will amazing. actually put that uh, that structure into play. So it's a billion dollar PPM, bring in restricted stock rather than cash. And then using, we, we monetize it and then we cover their taxes, we preserve their principal and we give them and we invest in ventures and give them an upside potential of doing that without having to come up with any cash. And so that's like, it's a win-win type of scenario. Yeah. And what it's done is it's created, we've created a regenerative funding source for venture capital. Mm. And now that becomes a vehicle for us to, you know, invest in companies that could support the 17 SDGs that can have a huge social impact and raise consciousness. And now we can have the opportunity to work with people in a way that helps them as entrepreneurs and their teams grow and create more bliss and more joy and more consciousness in their own lives and also in those that they are serving the impact that they're having. That's what we've been building. So that's, so it's like the whole, my whole arc of my life has really been, you know, taking the consciousness, then going out of business, 
And also I got a master's in spiritual psychology. So I did a lot of deep work in working with, with trauma, with healing. I was a trainer in thought field therapy, which a lot of people have heard of EFT. EFT came out of thought field, TFT, or thought field therapy, which was invented by a psychologist by the name of Dr. Callahan out of Palm Springs, and I studied with him. And I became a trainer, and I was training other psychologists and therapists and stuff like that. But we were just eliminating trauma within one, two, three sessions very quickly. And so, again, I was all of that came... together to come back to now where that integration of science, business, and consciousness, mm. right? Which I love. And psychology, which you love, exactly. Oh, tremendously. Yeah. And then, wow. and then of course, along the way, we, we also, want, during COVID, because <laughs> we had nothing else to do, oh, um, actually, nobody was raising money during COVID, right? So, but we had the opportunity to start, uh, we really were concerned about affordable housing crisis. Mm-hmm. And my partner, Maria, is like, what about tiny homes? I think that'd be really cool. And I'm like, okay, that sounds good. That's, I think that's a great idea. Let's go, let's explore that. So she started to putting together some ideas. And all of a sudden, her friend of 20 years called her and said, can you help with financing of tiny homes? <laughs> that's so cool. So we started a tiny home manufacturing company. Next thing you know, I'm spending two, three weeks out of every month in, in Phoenix, Arizona, helping us start a tiny home company that just exploders on us. I call it our accidental unicorn. So cool. Yeah. Because it was a side deal that exploded. But it's like, it's so needed. Oh, my God. Right? Oh, and, yeah. And it also became even a like a, an opportunity of us to see how some of the things that we're wanting to do were, you know, we're seeing how, you know, working with like the workers, right? The workers have, you know, our team is having them do like, like vision boards mm. once a month. So have cool. a book club. Now they have a soccer team. But it's like creating a culture and environment where they want to be there and mm-hmm. they, they feel honored, they feel heard, and they feel like a valuable part of the family. And because of that, we're, you know, they, have, they want to bring other people in and other people want to come work for us. So we don't having a, we're not having really any problems finding right. workers that a lot of other people are. You know, we keep hearing, oh, we're having problems, we're having problems, there's nobody right. out there. We're not having that problem. You know, so we have a line of people that like, they want to come work for us. So it's always, always comes back to the people you invest in the people. You don't invest in a project, you invest in the people. There's a million projects, but if you don't have the right people, the projects are not going to go anywhere. So you invest in the people in terms of the projects. You also invest in the people within the project and just like you also invest in yourself. So one of the things that is also motivating me as I see a lot of entrepreneurs that start businesses or do all these things. And the last person they take care of is themselves, mm-hmm. right? They always think I've got to work harder. I've got to sacrifice. I got to do this. And which is furthest from the truth because you need to invest in, you know, in yourself and your team right. so that you can really create long-term success and quality of life and joy along the way, because why? What's the point, right? You're you're doing this to have more, not just more money, but more happiness, more fulfillment, more right. of a life for you and your family and the people around you. So, and you know, we've seen and we've seen a lot of entrepreneurs that you know they think that they have to hide anything that's wrong, right? You know, I, we had an incredible music company. We were a platform. The guy was brilliant. He had written 700 lines of code. He had, he built wow. the software platform for Walmart. 
Holy crap. Right? Oh and their whole banking software. And he, he put together this brilliant thing. And all of a sudden, we find out that he's really ill and he passed away as we're doing due diligence. And his team really didn't have what they needed to keep it going. He was really the driving force. But he didn't tell anybody that he was sick. You know, it, it's the type of thing that if people had known, there were things that he could have done to make it better. There were a lot of, you know, places he could have gone to, there's treatments he could have had that it would have made a difference. But he hid it because he thought that that would be, people would weakness. judge him or we see weakness or, yeah. or, uh, or, you know, he didn't want to be a burden on anybody else or yeah. all these ideas, but end up that his, that everything just fell apart. Mm. And it's like, damn, why didn't you tell us, you know, this happens a lot. And we, we see people don't take themselves as, important in terms of taking care of their health or their spirit you know they may think oh well you know i'll, I'll go to the gym that that's it you know and that's right. not they don't they're not looking at the whole person right so it's all about developing the whole person you know the all levels of you know mental physical psychological and spiritual absolutely whatever that means for you absolutely so that was a long answer to a very simple question no i absolutely <laughs> love that i mean like you have done i mean you've been in transcendental meditation since you were young you've done all this incredible work like quantum physics and i mean you've built these businesses you've been in real estate made millions lost millions now what would you say is the most important lesson that anyone listening right now should hear based on your experience or realization, uh, should well, I say. I've got, I like it, 20 of those. I know um, you do. <laughs> I think we get so caught up in what's wrong or in the now or in the stress of the moment. There's a couple of things. Number one, this too shall pass. I mean, the reality is no matter what craziness is going on, just be with yourself because it doesn't matter what the situation is only matters is how you react to it. And that's a difference between really understanding what the situation is and versus what's your judgment about it. You know, it's like, okay, something happened. Uh, you know, like I lost money. Well, the judgment is that's bad. I fucked up. This is really screwed. I'm, 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 I'm toast. Whatever it is, we have all these judgments. I'm a failure, all these things. The reality is, is you just lost money. That's it. That's the objective reality of what happened. Mm -hmm. Now, how then we it's important to step back and allow yourself to forgive yourself for all those judgments that you have, mm -hmm. not only about the situation, but also for yourself. For number one, I think that's the huge thing. Always uh, love yourself and, and forgive yourself for your own judgments, okay? That's number one. Number two, realize that you're not alone. You are connected to everybody. And you have within you an infinite reservoir. You're not cut off. There isn't like this, like you can't run out of love. <laughs> That's so true. Okay? You can't run out of energy unless you put an arbitrary barrier around yourself. So you have an infinite source of creativity and intelligence and joy within you if you're willing to be open to tapping into it. Mm -hmm. So always stop and take the time to breathe and love yourself and and tap into those inner resources that everybody has. So, and then, you know, the other thing I would say is 
Well, I think the key, the big thing is love, right? Mm-hmm. Love unconditionally. Love yourself and others unconditionally. And Maharishi used to say, the fact that I love you is no concern of yours. Because mm. ultimately, love is always directed back towards the self. Always. And yeah. so the more we love ourselves, the more we are able to love each other. And give and love with an overpouring, you know, cup. Absolutely. We keep thinking we're pouring it out. We deplete ourselves because we're not connected. Absolutely. Keep refilling yourself so you can, you can give with the extra. So Absolutely. I think that's probably the biggest thing. And also just know that it's never as bad as you think it is. We get so hard on ourselves, though. You know? It's oh, like, oh my gosh. Entrepreneurs, especially. It's like, oh my God, the life is over. You know, <laughs> oh, I'm having a freaking meltdown. You know? Exactly. But it's like, it's, it's, there's always solutions. Just get it. You know, don't get reactive, like you said. Just right. really focus on the objective. And how can you create a solution to that as soon as possible? And sometimes we get so obsessive about it, we... we we don't see it outside our box, right? right? So sometimes it's just even stepping back and taking a break. I think everybody should you know, should meditate, should do things that will give them an opportunity, whether it's they're doing some kind of breathing exercise or a meditation or prayer or whatever it is, some way to connect to that, that higher sense of self mm-hmm. and take a break from whatever it is you're obsessing about. And it's amazing how answers will come forth mm-hmm. when we're not so focused on it. Yeah, so that's 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 a big part. I think it's is knowing when to to stop and step back. And also ask for help. You're not alone. So many people try to go do it on themselves. They they don't know even how to receive. They don't know how to ask for help. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. It's like ask for help. Always ask for help. You know, it's like the last I'm I'll be 65 next month. No way. Yeah. And uh, so it's like, and I'm just learning how to have an assistant. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I mean, we had to go through three to get to the one that worked. But, you know, my partner, you know, she's used to building these teams. I've always been always on my own, doing my own stuff. Uh, I'd negotiate with lots of people and put deals together, but I I never had a team like supporting me. Mm -hmm. And so having to learn how to delegate. Yeah. was a huge stretch for me. But you know what? As long as we're still alive, school's in session. Mm-hmm. So it's, we're, it's constantly learning. We don't ever want to stop and stagnate. We always want to stretch ourselves and learn. That brings a richness to life, right? Absolutely. Brings richness to life. And that's really what it's all about. And so, you know, like I'm, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning about NFTs. I'm learning about blockchain. I'm learning about all this stuff that is like, you know, what 10 years it? ago, they tried to tell me about it. I was like, yeah, I don't get it. I don't even want to know about it. And now I'm like, oh, I'm going to stretch my brain again, you know. But it's like, I'm actually glad I'm doing it and, and I'm learning how to have a team support me. And I, I think that's so crucial, learning how to just receive and how to ask for help. Uh, so many, especially a lot, of, uh, a lot of business people, you know, don't always know how to do that. Absolutely. So that's a key thing for the entrepreneurs listening yeah. is that delegation and you know trusting that team. And then that's way, you know, that's how you move forward the best. And I mean, what's so exciting about what's coming for you is like you're now working on your legacy in Zenmus. So you're about to create a billion dollar PPM, which literally, guys, like 
It's private, what is it, private? Well, it's a PPM, private placement memorandum. That's what it is. Yes, <laughs> private placement for memorandum. So essentially you're going to be investing in businesses that have social impact mm -hmm. around the world, which is incredible. So that includes like media projects, like different sustainability projects, and like a whole bunch of different well, we things. Well, have, we have three specific areas, which is media, entertainment, media technologies, and media-related real estate. Yeah. The second area is green energy, anything mm -hmm. having to do with creation and distribution storage of green energy. Mm -hmm. And the third is uh, health and wellness and medical. So anything having to do with, you know, taking care of your health, prevention, uh, healing, you know, whether it's nutrition or modalities or whatever it is. So those are the three areas that we're going to be focusing on. And uh, so we now have a regenerative source of finance. So once we do this first one, we can just keep duplicating it over and over and over again. So the big thing now is it's a whole different level of marketing because we're not going out there and raising cash. We're looking. We're, we're talking to large investors that have restricted stock, or they mm -hmm. have a concentrated, you know, low basis stock positions yeah. that they want to get working for them. Right. But they don't want to get hit for the tax by the taxes. They don't, or it's sitting there and they can't really sell it. So here we have give them an opportunity to exchange that stock for equity in our company. Right. We cash it out. We give them a distribution so they can cover their capital gains. That's taken care of. We also invest so we can preserve their principal, and that comes back to them in the next seven to ten years. And we have debt-free capital left over to invest in different ventures. So, cool. so now they get the upside potential of that without having to you know, access any cash. So it's a very unique, very disruptive. We're all about disruptive business models yeah. and making an impact. It's incredible, and and you're going to help so many entrepreneurs, which are going to help the world. And I mean, you guys have so many amazing things in your pipeline. I don't want to ruin it for anybody who's listening, but you must follow Chad and all the incredible <laughs> things that are that are coming in the future. I know that's just part of it, and oh, there's yeah. a whole wave behind that coming, you guys. So if you're listening, like you've got to get connected with Chad. We're going to have a lot of fun. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'll be there for the ride without a doubt. Oh yeah, you're definitely here for the ride. <laughs> And now, Chad, where can everybody find you and connect with you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, under Chad Warren. My email is chad at zmcmedia.com, Zen Moose Capital, zmcmedia.com. Also, our, our website is zenmoosecapital.com. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of mooses. So, you know, our, our PPM is Copper Moose. And we also have Smart Moose. So we have a lot of... So what's interesting is the moose is the same whether it's plural or singular. That's so great. So we call it the moose singularity. Oh. That means that even in the moose midst of a lot of mooses coming together, you still retain your own individuality mm. while also being collaboratively integrated and supportive with each other in the ecosystem that we're building. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. my God. You are amazing, Chad. I want to thank you so much for being here today. Like, your story is unreal. What you're working on now is unreal. I just can't wait to see it like fully launch and then what comes after that. My gosh, well, I'm you, just so excited for you. You impressed me. I mean, you, I'm so <laughs> inspired by your passion and your brilliance and the fact of, you know, at a young age, you see how much a difference it is or a difference it is between making money and making impact mm -hmm. and how you've really made that shift and made that uh, your mission in life. And I, I really, I honor you for being so brilliant at such a young age is thank amazing you, my such gosh. a gorgeous soul oh thank you so much as you are such a beautiful soul <laughs> and i just can't wait for what's coming and i'm just so proud of you and like the work that you and maria are doing is 
the next level. Such beautiful souls doing incredible things for the world. You guys are movers and shakers, and I just can't wait to see what's next. Me too. <laughs> Thank you, Chad. Thank you, sweetheart. Amazing. <laughs> so that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. All we know is overtime, working like some underdogs. underdogs. underdogs.